Okay, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the workshop, Still Waters, Living the 11th Step Prayer. My name is Susan. I'm a compulsive overeater and the moderator for this session. Hi. Before we, we begin, please turn off your cell phones and pagers. This workshop is being taped. All opinions expressed by those who share are their own and not necessarily those of OA as a whole. The format for this session is a reading, two speakers, ask it basket questions, and sharing on the topic. A basket with paper and pencil will be circulated for you to write any questions you may have for the speakers. Please specify whom your question is for. Um, the reading this morning is from the AA 12 and 12, um, page 102. As the day goes on, we can pause where situations must be met and decisions made and renew this simple request, thy will, not mine, be done. If at these points our emotional disturbance happens to be great, we will more surely keep our balance, provided we remember and repeat to ourselves a particular prayer or phrase that has appealed to us in our reading or meditation. Just saying it over and over will often enable us to clear a channel choked up with anger, fear, frustration, or misunderstanding, and permit us to return to the surest help of all, our search for God's will, not our own, in the moment of stress. At these critical moments, if we remind ourselves that it is better to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, we will be following the intent of step 11. Our first speaker is Jean from Highland, and she will speak for 25 minutes. Morning again. Everybody sleep okay? That's good. I was dead to the world. I don't remember sleeping. Well, I think I'll just tell you what I used to be like. What, I, what happened and what I'm like now. Uh, when I, I've been, this will be 26 years at the end of this month that I have been coming to OA. However, I have not been abstinent for 26 years because I have a lot of experience in eating. Anyway, when I came in, I had several character defects, none of which have totally disappeared, but uh, which certainly have been ameliorated as I've been here. When I came in, I was a black and white, all or nothing, good or bad, right or wrong person, you know, an extremist, a perfectionist, and all of that. And what I lacked was self-discipline. I was overly responsible. If somebody, if I committed to doing something, I'd do it, even if I had to drag myself there to do it. I, I could fulfill responsibilities that came from the outside. But self-generating discipline was impossible for me. And as a result, I, I didn't have a spiritual life. I would say grace at meals if, if the occasion arose and it happened. And I, you know, I would do, I, w I went to church and I did those things as long as it was imposed from the outside. But my spiritual life was certainly not self-motivated. And... Um, well, I just, I don't want to tell you all my character defects because they're too disgusting. Anyway, uh, when I said about being responsible, I was overly responsible and as a result, terribly controlling. 
especially of my newly recovering alcoholic husband. Oh, was I good at taking his inventory and managing his life and doing such a lousy job with my own. The other thing was that I was a yo-yoer. I said I was all or nothing. I, all my life, as far as I can remember, from the time that I discovered that I was overweight, I had two choices, white-knuckle dieting or eating my brains out. And it was back and forth, back and forth. And for vanity's sake, and because I didn't want to be fat like my mother, I could go on a diet. I mean, if I was going to go to a prom or I, I wanted to get a guy or something, I could <laughs> hang on and diet for a while. But, of course, as soon as I stopped dieting, back again to the overeating, and it was up and down, which I, to this day, believe is much harder on our bodies than maintaining a, a little excess weight. I mean, I think this yo-yoing is just a lousy, lousy thing to do to ourselves. But I was very good at that. So up and down, up and down, until I hit my late 40s. And I didn't have another diet in me. I simply couldn't do it anymore. I was sick. I was miserable. And I said, it's okay, God. I'll just go to be 100 and I'll go to be 500 pounds. That's where I'm headed. I don't care. I can't do it anymore. I've had it. <laughs> the vanity wasn't strong enough anymore. I already had my man and the heck with it. I'll just go to pop. And um, so I just said, okay. And uh, as I said, my husband was a um, recovering alcoholic, and he was two years into his program. But he would not let me in because I was such a dominating B-I-T-C-H that he wasn't going to let me handle his, he wouldn't even let me go to their potlucks, he wouldn't let me associate with his people, um, he just was going to keep me out. He finally found something that I wasn't. I'm not an alcoholic, you couldn't make me an alcoholic if you tried, and he had something I didn't have, and he was good at this. And he was doing fine in AA, so I couldn't go. Then one time we went to visit friends, and uh, the wife of his alcoholic buddy said to me, don't you just love AA meetings? And I said, hmm. I said, are you an alcoholic? She said, oh, no, but I just love to go to AA meetings. And I, and I said, you mean he lets you? And she said, oh, yes, I go all the time. We're going to have one tomorrow. Why don't you come? So here's this woman. My husband couldn't say no, so I went. And uh, I, I loved it. The 12 steps just rang lots of bells with me. The whole thing just said, this is what you need. I knew I had been fighting something. I knew that there was something standing between me and God and it wasn't alcohol, it was food. So I, when I got through with that, I looked up OA, and that's how I got started 26 years ago. Anyway, one of the first things I heard when I got in here was start every day on your knees. That's sort of self-discipline in the spiritual realm. And since I was ready finally to follow directions. I had run out of all the willpower I could handle. And so that's what they told me to do. So I started doing that. And I've been doing that for 26 years. And that has led to lots of wonderful things. Another thing they did was they handed me an orange sheet. This is just post-gray sheets, you know. Same difference, but an orange sheet. Were you, you were back in the orange sheet days, so you know what that's all about. Same difference. And they told me to stay on the orange sheet. And I said, how long? And they said, 21 days. It takes 21 days to get the sugar out of your system. So 
I did it for 21 days. Well, they said, get a sponsor. I got a sponsor. The lady who was in charge of the beginner's meeting, I thought she was very nice. And so when the 21 days were up, and I said, well, now what? She said, oh, you do it again. So so I went back on the orange sheet, and I did it for another 21 days. I said, now what? She said, you do it again. So I did it for another 21 days. Well, before I came in um, 26 years ago, I had been on Dexatrim trying that, see if that, and I really wasn't anywhere near my top weight. And so by the time I'd done this for, what, 93 days, I was on the skinny side. And so she said, well, now you go on maintenance. Maintenance. Now, what does that mean? She said, oh, you just add a little in. Well, with my brain, that was totally lost. Before I came in, I did not understand the word balance. I mean, you know, I know literally what it means. I did not understand the word enough. I did not understand the word moderation. And I did not understand the word maintenance. Those concepts, in reality, were way beyond me. Like all of us, I bet you, in this room, I was a nutrition expert. You know, I knew that chocolate cake had more calories than a stick of celery. Smart. You know, I knew a lot of this stuff, but... Uh, doing it, knowing and doing are two different things. You know, I, you probably all heard this, Seth. In OA, you can't be too dumb to get it, but you can be too smart. Well, I was one of those people that I thought I could figure out the program, handle it, do it my way, you know, all of this stuff. And it, it was my head that got me into lots of trouble. Well, anyway, so I'm struggling to find maintenance, this elusive concept that's around here somewhere. It took me, from the time I came in, it took me four years to give up recreational sugar. I mean, I gave it up, got clear of it, my mind started to work again, and I could be organized. And then, oh, this won't matter. I deserve this. I can handle this, whatever. Off and running again, quickly back into the sugar. For four years, I was on and off, on and off, on and off. So then, um, but finally one day, at the beginning of the day, while I was on my knees, I said to God, I can't do it anymore, God, just for today. Get me through the day without sugar. I got through that day. And I said, oh, thank you, God. Thank you. You got me through. And the next day I woke up and I said, thank you. Help me today. And then it was two days. And then it was three days. It was a week, month. And it's been ever since. I've never taken another bite of recreational sugar knowingly. One time, I got a regular Coke instead of a Diet Coke by mistake. I don't consider that anything. It didn't, it didn't uh, you know, I think it has to do with intention. It has to do with defiance instead of reliance. It's, it's secretive. It's, it's all that stuff. And that was just an accident. Somebody gave it to me. I had asked for the diet, and they gave me the regular, blah, blah, blah. And I'm so dumb, I didn't even know it. I took several sips, and all of a sudden, it didn't taste right. But I'm saying, otherwise, I didn't knowingly do it. And that's thanks be to God one day at a time. Okay. And then it took me another two years to give up salted nuts. I found that they stick together. One leads to another. I can have nuts in things, but I can't, you know, without the salt. But once I get into salted nuts, and so for... 
all those years I hadn't had another salted nut, and that suits me fine. Anyway, but the regular eating, the moderate meals, the food plan keeping, the commitment and keeping, I still just struggled. I would have I would be granted huge periods of abstinence that were glorious. And I would walk through tremendous family crises and all of this with God-given abstinence. And then I would give it up for a stupid piece of fruit or between meals or, or, or some other way to break my commitment for that day. And then I would be off and running. And so that went on four years. And during this time, one of the times when I had a slip that wound up in being tremendous binges, I gained 50 pounds in five months. But otherwise, it was back and forth, almost like a yo-yo, but I, I say I've never dieted since I came in these rooms, and I've never left these rooms since I came in. Um, I've gone on food plans, but I have not dieted. That's a different thing than what I was doing. When I was on a good food plan, it was a God-given abstinence. It was not anything that Gene did. Okay, so this went on and on until uh, one morning, a little over 12 years ago, I, oh, one noon, I had the plan, and I had planned on a hot dog for lunch as part of my lunch. And when I went to get it out of the refrigerator, the hot dog was only this big. My husband had bought the wrong hot dogs, and the hot dogs that I had in the mind, my mind was a good-sized hot dog. And I had said I was only going to have one hot dog. So now I had a choice. I could either have one hot dog or two hot dogs. And I'm back and forth, back and forth. The committee in my head is going, if I have one hot dog, I'm going to be mad. I'm going to feel deprived, and it's not what I wanted. It's not what I said I was going to have. And sometime down the pike, I am going to binge again. This, this is going to lead me to a binge. And I said, if I have two hot dogs, I will have broken my commitment I will be down the tubes because I've already blown it. So I'm going down the tubes. I can't decide. There is nothing I can do. And I screamed in my soul, not out loud, but I screamed, Oh, God, help me. Not my will, but thine be done. And all of a sudden, the flash came. Gene, you can have one and a half hot dogs. Now, on my own, I would never have thought of that. But one and a half hot dogs was just about what I had committed to in my mind that would have been on my food plan. I could eat one and a half hot dogs without feeling guilty, without all the remorse, without all the danger of binging. So that's what I did. And it was such a freeing thing. I just felt this huge burden taken off me. And so I decided that every time I got into trouble with food, it started in my head with the committee. The deciding, can I have the second helping? Can I do this? Can I do that? And why should, you know, what, it was always in my head. And whenever I get into the head about food, no matter what it is, because, you know, a lot of times I'm, I travel and I do things and I don't always know what situation I'm going to come up against. So I can't always make a food plan, carry it with me and do it. So I'm, so whenever I get to the decisions, I just say, not my will, but thine. Let go, let God. And I have been 99 and 44, 100% free of the obsession ever since. 
I know what maintenance is now. I know what moderation is. I know what balance is. I have maintained the same weight within five. Oh, well, after I did that, I was not at my top weight. I lost 25 pounds slowly over the next year. And since that time, this stayed the same. This must be the weight God wants me to be. This is not the weight I want. And I sure as heck don't have the weight where I, where I want it. I want to take it off of here, put it on my flat chest, which I lost a long time. I now want to, you know, move it around. But, I, but anyway, I have to accept what God gave me. And uh, it's okay. Whatever it is, it's just fine. So, um, anyway, that has been so... But my husband had this expression, which I think is very, very true. The pilot light is always burning. I have been free of the obsession. Food, which had been my best friend for so long. Comfort, joy, reward, all that stuff. Became my foe over the years. My worst enemy. It brought me guilt. It brought me weight. It brought me misery. And now it's fuel. It's, it's energy. I enjoy food. I love to eat. It's just fine. But it is not the be-all, the center of my being. It's not an idol to me at all anymore. It's not between me and God. It's just there. And I love it, and it's fine. But I, and I have a food plan. Over those years, of all the times that I slipped and binged, I learned. Every time I had a slip or a binge, I learned something about what is healthy for Jean to eat, what is not healthy for Jean to eat. And so I have a food plan that is easy for me to keep, and I know where the boundaries are. And when I start pushing toward the boundaries, all of a sudden I have to say, not my will but thine, O Lord, and step back. And sometimes I have, you know, preparing something, stuck food in my mouth when it was a between meal, it wasn't a committed thing. And I spat it out ever since that day. I'm just not going to deal with that stuff. I don't want to lose this precious abstinence. I don't want to ever get back into that obsession and compulsion. So I do believe you have to be vigilant, but you don't. Okay. So now, what am I like now? I hope I'm happy, joyous, and free. I believe I am. Most of the time, that is the way that I live. And I have been through so much since I've been here. Um, just major, major crises, and I'm now a widow on poverty level income, and you know what? All of it is okay. I'm, I am extremely happy. Life is not what happens to us. It's how we, we do it. I, am, I, I have learned so much, and here I am, 73 years old, and I still have so much growing to do so much developing, so much learning, so much changing. And it's wonderful. I love it. That's why I stick around. I have two um, home meetings that I go to uh, almost every week. And uh, they mean a lot to me. I do service at the intergroup level. And I, I feel extremely, extremely unfortunate. So essentially, where I am now is I'm able, I work the steps the best I can. I keep working them. Essentially, I am now able to try to live in the 11-step prayer. Would somebody help me pass these out? I didn't make enough copies, I'm afraid, for everybody, because I figured at 9 o'clock in the morning there's not going to be enough people around. But if you would share these and pick which one you want. But I thought we could talk a little bit about the 11-step um, prayer and um, 
how we can go about living it. Because, like I said, I'm a slow learner, and you can be too smart for this program. And the, ste- and the steps, it seems to me, are extremely simple. They don't use big words. They don't have complicated things. But living them is very different than a cognitive thinking about them. And so I think maybe if we just take uh, a few minutes to um, talk about the third step. Oh, I, I wanted to say something else. One of the things that I found that, that Susan mentioned in the reading is having a phrase that you could say over and over, you know, a mantra. Do any, how many of you have mantras that you use to get you through crises? Some of us use a serenity prayer. Um, what's your mantra? Easy does it. Good. But do it. Easy does it, but do it. Very good. Yes, yours. God, please help me. That, that's a basic one, isn't it? Anybody else? Yeah. I will be done. That, that's a quick key. And, and very good. Yes. Let go and let God. All of these mantras. When we get to the, 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 the time when the food is, is calling to us, when it's got us, it's trying to get a hold of us, we need these mantras, not just food, but whenever crises, any problems come up, if we can, we can say them. Um, I, I really find that those are good, and those are all that you said are mine. I have oh somewhere in my bag I've got uh, pages of slogans that I and sayings from OA that I have accumulated over the years I've been in here, which I'd be glad to share with you. Lots of of, of wonderful things in it. Anyway. Isn't this the way you would like to live, the St. Francis prayer? Isn't, uh, do you know people who live this, the people who are radiant, who are in OA for a long time? And you know them, don't you? And you are one of them. That who who um, are channels of peace. How about we read this together? Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. That where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. That where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. That where there is despair, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Can we wait a second? Okay. Is that, are those possibilities? Have you ever lived that way? And aren't those the happiest times of your life when you are able, when God allows you, gives you the power. This is what the 11th step is all about, right? The knowledge of his will for us and the power to get, to carry that out. So if we, do our prayer and meditation and ask for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out, we can, we can do this. And, and you become happy, joyous, and free. Okay, let's go on together. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is forgiving 
that one is forgiven, it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. What it's all about, is it not? I see many of you already have this memorized. And again, if it's memorized, you can use it as a mantra when you're, wherever you are, but it isn't a cognitive thing, is it? It's, it's, it's the living it that counts. And uh, I'm sure that uh, since I see your smiling faces, I'm sure that those of you, many of you, are already living the 11-step prayer. And I congratulate you. Thank you. Let's all thank Jean for sharing. Thank you, Jean. Our second speaker is Linda from Palm Springs, and she will speak for 25 minutes. Good morning. Um, thank you so much, Jean. And uh, I think we're a good team here today. Uh, I've, I'm just so happy to be here today and um, with some of my special friends. And uh, this is a favorite topic of mine. And uh, I've just approached it a little differently than you, so it's a, I think it's a really nice compliment here today. And I remember before coming into OA, um, you know, some people said they find God or their higher power in the 12 steps in OA, and sometimes... Uh, it's the opposite. You know, God finds you away or whatever, however it happens. But I remember um, one day driving along with a package of something I was eating, feeling that desperate feeling, driving along and just eating one at a time and pulling into a church parking lot, chapel parking lot, and taking the remainder of that package into the chapel, getting on my knees, bursting into tears, and saying, if there's a God, you see what I'm doing. Is there any way that you can help me? And I just sat there, finished my package, finished crying, and started to feel a peace come over me. You know, just started to feel like, well, I've told the truth. And I feel like somebody heard. Uh, I told the truth to myself. I'd reached a limit of some kind in myself where it was just like, I don't know what else to do. And that was a turning point for me in terms of having a higher power and a, a turning point in terms of how I was going to handle my problems with food. I'm not quite sure how soon after that, but I heard about OA in a little handout that was at the market that just said there's this program. I didn't really know what it was. But I went, and it was in some kind of a recovery center basement with a, the couches with the springs popping out. Very dingy, very dreary, very not me. And, uh, but I sat there. I sat there, and that was about uh, 25 years ago. And I'm still coming. 
Some of the rooms have improved, some haven't. <laughs> so, um, I, there was a paragraph that I was told that this was going to be, this talk was supposed to be based on, so I just, I didn't memorize the paragraph, but I got to know it pretty well. And the paragraph was in the 12 by 12 of the uh, AA 12 by 12. And the paragraph was about what do you do in the middle of your day? You know, what happens when something in the middle of your day goes fluey? And you feel like you are disconnected or not sure what to do, whether it's the food, whether it's something else in life. And the paragraph before is about how you've started your day. You know, you've started your day by turning your life over to God, if, if, if you're practicing the 11th step. And, and here I might say that the 11th step can be kind of intimidating, the idea that you're meditating, you're praying, you're thinking all these great thoughts, your you know, noble purpose in life, etc. And I think it's interesting that it is the 11th step. And it follows 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And in those 10 steps, you're getting to know yourself, but you're getting to know your higher power. So your 11th step when you're praying and you're connecting to your higher power is based on already knowing your higher power. It's like a relationship, a new relationship with someone where you might go to the movies or have lunch. And, you know, you talk and whatever. Over the years, if you stay friends, you may be able to have quiet time together. You may be able to just sit on a porch or take a walk, you know, by the ocean and not talk at all. So that's the development that can happen in a relationship that has happened with my higher power. In the beginning, I talked a lot, and I screamed out a lot, and I cried a lot, and I said, are you there? And now I'm at a place where I, I kind of know my higher power is there. I might not feel too connected, but I know that my higher power is there, and I've learned a few ways to get connected. So... Um, Meditation and, and prayer are a means to an end. And the 11th step talks about what that means is. It's to have conscious contact. You know, so I, I have some friends that say, well, I meditate all the time and I don't feel like I have a higher power, you know. And I think that's where we can backtrack again to, well, are you meditating to anybody or connecting or is it just meditating? And nothing wrong with that. That, that has stress-reducing benefits, et cetera. But what the 11th step is talking about, I'm going to have conscious contact with a higher power. And that's going to bring me something else. It means that I'm going to be able to pray that this spirit of my higher power, who's helped me in my food recovery, is going to continue to do that and help me with everything else too. And that I'm going to be able to say... Not my will, and not that I'm so terrible or crazy, but my will is so limited. You know, my will, the things that I can think of that are possibilities are so limited, but my higher powers possibilities are huge, are beyond what I could ever come up with. So the conscious contact, the prayer and meditation, is a means to an end that I'm going to have 
a resource to turn to, that I'm not going to be all alone with my little possibility, my little teeny ideas, but that I'm going to be connected to the huge, infinite possibility of things that are beyond my wildest dreams. So it's a little more motivating for me if I think I'm praying or meditating to tap into the, you know, the realm of possibilities for my wildest dreams more than I'll reduce a little stress. You know, it's not bad to reduce stress, but I'd like to feel loved at the same time. And if I can feel loved also by my higher power, that's a real, a real gift. Um, so this particular paragraph says that as the day goes on, what's, what's the little procedure we follow? Well, we pause. That's the first thing, we pause. And we, um, at that moment, we just stop and go, hey, what's going on? I'm feeling jittery. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling like rushing to the refrigerator. I'm, I'm just, I've lost my serenity. I, I don't know what's exactly going on, but I'm stopping. And we have the tool, some of you may have already heard, the halt. Am I hungry, angry, lonely, tired? Or we might say, well, is there a tool? Maybe I can make a phone call. Maybe I can write, you know. But somehow, something, something's not right. And that could happen sometime when we're in a situation we didn't plan on or when we have a decision to make. Maybe, maybe something's just happened all of a sudden. We're in a traffic jam and we, we, we need to be someplace in five minutes and we know we're not going to be there for an hour. So what are we going to do? That's a situation. Then there's maybe a long-term decision. You know, should I sell my house and move to Palm Springs? That's what I did. <laughs> but it took me a little while to get that. You know, that wasn't just like one thing that just happened in a split second. So there are those immediate decisions, and then there are the ones that sort of, you know, kind of are in the back of our back of our mind. You know, maybe we have an interest a hobby, you know, should I take up the guitar, uh, you know, should I take a trip someplace, you know, should I retire at 50 or 85 or, you know, what, what should I be doing? So, you, you know, both during the day, both of those kind of things come up, I, for me anyway, you know, what's my lunch going to be and what's my future going to be? So when that happens, we, we, the next thing we do after we pause is we, renew our request to God. We say, ah, I remember this morning that I asked God to help me and to be with me. So we say, aha, I'm going to repeat that. God, would you be with me and would you help me today? And I, I, I go, oh, phew. I feel that I can sort of do that thing. People say, let go, let God. I, I just, I remembered something. And, but maybe that does it, but not always, because maybe there's an emotional disturbance. I'm feeling afraid, I'm feeling scared, I'm worried about money, I'm worried about time. I'm just, my body is just like adrenaline up or, you know, or I'm depressed, something. But even though I've said that, let go, let God, there's a remainder. So, at that point, um, I might feel like there's a potential that I'm going to lose my balance. I pray to God, but I'm still not sure. Uh, that refrigerator is over there, and I'm still not sure if I'm going to really 
avoid a conflict with a person that I'm in, you know, worried about or a situation. And so what do I do then? Well, the book says that I can remember a particular prayer or a phrase that somehow has helped me before. Maybe in my reading in the morning. Maybe I remember the serenity prayer. Maybe I just remember the first step. I'm powerless over this and my life's unmanageable. Maybe I remember uh, something someone said to me the other day about like, well, Linda, I know you're doing the best you can. And I just think, oh, you know, and it reminds me I have a friend. But I don't stop there. I repeat that to myself over and over and over again. And if one doesn't come to me, if I can't think of anything, if nothing comes, I pick up one of my little books and I open the page to the page of the day or I look in the index and I find something and I search for a word or a phrase of a verse that's relevant for me. Maybe if you're like me, you have something in your bathroom, a little slogan or on your refrigerator, something, anything, and just repeat it over and over and over again. And if you can't get a word, um, I have three body things that I do, you know, beyond kneeling. Uh, I put my hand on my heart and just breathe. You know, that's, and then I just kind of remember that I'm just, you know, just can let go. Um, sometimes I put my hand on my forehead because it's like let my mind rest. Let my, or put a washcloth on there. I mean, just because my mind's overactive and I just need to rest. And the third is sometimes I'll just put my hand in my belly. Because maybe I'm just feeling sad or, or something, just to remind, whatever it is. And, you know, sometimes it's all three. But it, it, it's just the idea that it's a very personal thing that we do when we pause. We pull in something positive. We could look at and look at our garden. You know, look up at the mountains. Just something beautiful. Uh, I think anything, beauty is to me such, uh, uh, something I just believe I need to take in as much as I can. Beautiful people, beautiful ideas, visually beautiful. And this whole idea of not eating junk food, but not taking in junk food ideas, junk food. You know, so if the TV's on, it's a stupid program, turn it off. You know, put on a CD with a pretty, you know, pretty melody. Uh, so then, it's not over yet. Because what happens is as we do all that repeating, often that, that stuff that's there, that anger, that frustration, may come unclogged a little bit. Maybe we'll cry. Maybe we'll, you know, just start to do the dishes and, you know, or, or, or take out the garbage or something or make a phone call. But... It moves it along, and the biggest thing that happens is that we have returned to the reminder that we have the surest help of all, and that's our higher power. I mean, phew. I mean, yes, I may not feel like God's there at this moment, but I know God's there based on holding on to these words and these images, I'm back home. I'm back home with what is going to 
calm me down for the moment and remind me that I can go to a meeting, I can make a phone call, I can take a bath, I can do something that's just going to kind of give me a fresh outlook. And we are reminding ourselves, again, that there's a spiritual truth that we're operating by. So, you know, whatever's on the news, or maybe come in through a phone call that's not pleasant, or just in fact that, you know, you just balance your checkbook and you're overdrawn, but you, you have a spiritual truth to supply. You know, that, yes, God will provide for me. God will make a way for this to work out. There is a solution, one step at a time, one day at a time, easy does it. All those things sort of connect to each other like a magician with a scarf coming out of a hat, one scarf after the other, slogan by slogan by slogan. So the title of this workshop was on still waters, living the 11th step prayer. And I was thinking about that. Uh, who would you rather be? And probably, I know I've been in a situation being both people. One is that I've been on a lovely lake on a boat for the afternoon. And it's the blue skies, and it's just gorgeous, and the trees around, the mountains around. And I've read a book. I've sat in the sun. I've just maybe talked to a pleasant person. I've totally relaxed. I'm coming into shore, and they dock. And just that little bump at the dock reminds me that I'm home. And I get off, and I, I just get in my car, and I put on an ICD, and somebody later on calls me up and says, how was your day? And I go, oh, it was just perfect. I, I just had such a wonderful time. You know, on the lake, the beauty, the quiet, the sun. Okay. Then there's the people who get on, on the boat, and they didn't know that it was going to happen, but a storm comes along. And the water's rocky, and they've got the seasickness bags out, and it's scary. It's scary. People are saying, get your life jackets on. And it's rocking, so you're, you're holding on to the rail, but you're yanked, and, you know, maybe you even fall down, and, you, you, you know, you're scared. And if you've got children with you or something, you're scared you want you know, holding on to them, and you just, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. You're scared. And finally, somehow, the rescue boat comes or something happens, so you get back to shore. And you get off that boat, and you get home, and somebody calls and says, how was your day? And you go, oh, it was so frightening. I, I, I thought I might die. It was, it was really, really scary. So this stillness that we're seeking is something on the inside. And, you know, it's so it's, we're either going to have that, that kind of inner life that's more like that boat ride on the lake where we get some of that relaxation, or our insides are going to be just torment. And when I came into this program, I lived overlooking the ocean. I'd walk the beach. I mean, I, it was like, what, ideal, perfect? But I was so tormented. I mean, I felt like it was life or death. I felt like I didn't know how to make decisions. I'd one day be up, one day be down. I just felt so confused all the time. My self-esteem was erratic. 
The food was erratic. I mean, it was just terrible. The ideal was out there, though. I mean, I was in the most beautiful place. So this 11th step says we can all have this beautiful place to go to for renewal, for rest, and for answers. So I took the word stillness with the letters because I thought, well, that's, that's a handy way for me to sort of think about what this means and what this brings. So thinking about being still, what are the benefits of this and what are the, um, you know, sort of the, the, the uh, properties of this? Well, for S, I said we get some serenity. We get very sensitive to what really our truth is. We get the simplicity of knowing, you know, how to how to figure out what the, at the where, what's really at the bottom of our issue. There's a sense of silence on the inside, even if everybody else outside is all in commotion. And we get a sense of knowing that I don't know the answer, but God knows. Right off. The T, we get a tranquility, and we get a sense of trust. There's sort of a timelessness. We're not like all frantic about what to do, you know, tomorrow. But it's the timelessness. We're okay. It's gonna be. It's gonna be okay. And that the best outcome is gonna happen. We just don't know it yet. The I in stillness is for our sense of tapping into our own intuition, our inspiration, our insights, our intelligence. It's like a clear pool where you can see down to the bottom. That's what we get. The L in stillness is for longing our deep desires, the things that we really long for and hope for, we don't even words for sometimes. We think, I can't even dare tell anybody what I want because it's so far away from where I feel like I can go. But we can do this in the 11th step. L is for letting go. It's very liberating. It's very relaxing. We unwind. Physically, we unwind, and emotionally, we unwind. The N is for our never-ending source of supply and possibilities. Never-ending source. It's, our higher powers never run out of time or possibilities for us. The E is for the energy released. Sometimes when I'm stuck and I've been praying and I'm not sure what to do and I just go to bed for the night and I wake up in the morning and all of a sudden I've got a few ideas and a few lists in my day, things, things feel like decided. The energy's released. The S, we get stamina, stability, security, and strength. We just go, I've made it through that. I'm going to make it through the next thing. Not because we're so prideful, but we're just secure. We've got that, we've got that inner relationship to our higher power. And S, last but not least, we have surprises. We have good surprises. We have things happen. We go, oh. Isn't that amazing? I just ran into the person I needed to see. Or isn't that amazing? I've been looking for an apartment for two months, and then, you know, I was talking to the mailman, and he told me just to go around the corner, and there was this place for half as much as everything else was. You know, how do those things happen? But surprises with our food. Surprises when we go, you know, I haven't needed to even think about that food that I used to go to for my my help. So, 
There are so many ways of pausing. Um, I was just going to list a few that have helped me. Deep breathing, walking, music, or turning off the music, uh, no TV while I'm eating, go to some water, a spa, a bath, a shower, uh, do creative activities that don't take words, artwork, crocheting, fixing something, household chores, light a candle, uh, use the tool of writing, use the tool of literature, make a phone call to your sponsor or a program friend, lie down or lean back, sometimes just in my car if I just put that seat back for one minute, it helps me, not while I'm driving. <laughs> get up, move around. You know, if you've been on the couch too long, get up and move around and just go out for a minute. Or if you've been rushing around, just stop and lie down for a minute. Put your head on your desk if you're at work. Uh, do a stretching exercise and eat very, very slowly. So those are some things that have helped me. Uh, and I just have this trust and faith that our higher powers are blessing us when we're not conscious as well as when we're conscious and that we can turn to our higher power. You know, they say turn to your higher power before, you know, you want to take that bite. Turn to your higher power anytime. So thank you very, very much. Okay, we will now have 10 minutes of questions from the Ask It Basket. Um, do we have the Ask It Basket? like we have one question. Oh, no, well, yeah, one question. And this is for anyone on the panel. <laughs> and that is, have you ever lost that conscious contact for a time period and finally uh, realized it? How did you motivate your, yourself to get back in touch with your God? Yes, I have lost conscious contact. Um, I think of it as a radio dial, that my higher power is on the clearest channel, and uh, sometimes there's more static, but I, how can I tune into that? And uh, so I do the things that, that I mentioned. You know, I just go through that pausing, renewing, uh, believing, and an emotional release. Uh, a lot of times I do need to go through some sort of emotional release that's blocking me. Um, I've done a lot of grieving in this program, a lot of crying. Um, I've had different different times of really letting go of, you know, anger and too. But it seems like underneath it is tears that I just need to cry. So it seems like when I get to that place with my authentic tears, 
that I can reconnect with my higher power. Because sometimes I have a, you know, a very, in my mind I know that that my higher power is there, but I just don't feel connected. So it's it's usually something emotional that that is is, is, um, needing something that makes that connection not as, um, I can't feel it. And, I mean, just the other day, I was saying to somebody, I wish I could feel loved. I just couldn't, that day, I just couldn't feel like anybody loved me. And people could tell me that they loved me, but I couldn't feel it. And I just, I got on on my knees with God, and I came up with, you know, certain ideas came to mind from my childhood and, and different things about why that was in me and having a difficult time feeling loved. But, um... That seemed to, in the process of a day or two of talking to people, writing, feeling, that I felt extra reconnected to my higher power. Of course I lose contact. But it's when Jean gets in the way. It's just my ego and my pride... um, between, and I find myself <clears throat> falling into busyness a lot, you know, frantic activity, and that can separate me <clears throat> from the conscious contact with my higher power. Um, but always at the back of my, I, I don't know, <clears throat> I think all my life, even before I came into OA, I knew I was a child of God, and I knew that God was there. Of course, the trouble is, the other thing, before I came into OA, I thought I was, some days I thought I was a saint, and other days I thought I was the worst person around. I mean, I, I, never, I never, I thought I was superwoman, I thought I was totally ineffective. I had no idea that I'm a fellow child of God, that we're all um, on the same plane and we all belong to God, and that, and that we share all this. Um, I guess, I don't know, I, I get hungry for God when I lose this, this um, conscious contact. And so I just um, follow the, I, I say a mantra. I, you know, I say one of, the, one of the things, let go and let God. Or uh, the serenity prayer is often the thing because... Um, as we all know, we can't change the situation. We can't change other people. We have very little actual control over anything important in life, except some control over ourselves, and not even a whole lot of that. We need God's help to even change ourselves. I can't. I know. I, I'm. I do a terrible thing. Uh, Roseanne was talking about changing the 12 steps, you know, to suit away and all that stuff. And all the stuff that she went through. Well, I, uh, I'm in the process, right, currently, I changed the serenity prayer. How dare I, right? But I, knowing me, I knew I need to accept the things I cannot change. I don't have any trouble with that, so I, I start out fine. But then when I get to the courage to change the things I can't, I have to change that because 
I've got too darn much courage. I'd change everything and anything, anytime I felt like it and do all of that. So I, I don't think that's enough. So I, I find my, and the other thing is I'm not very consistent. I'm too, 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 too. So I, I find myself modifying that phrase and saying, um, sorry, God grant me the surrender to accept the things I cannot change. And uh, the courage and the persistence to change the things I can and should. Because there's a lot of things I would be changing, but I probably shouldn't. So then, uh, so I, uh, that's, a, that's my current modification of the serenity prayer. And then the wisdom to, to know the difference. So um, that that's helps me get connected to. There's, there's lots of ways. And using the tools, um, taking a bath, whatever. Um, all the things that you were saying, uh, that wonderful list of things that you gave of things that uh, we can do. Those are wonderful things, and I try to do some of them. I'm not as good at that as you are. Okay. Were there any other questions last minute or that were in the basket? Okay. Then we will now have open sharing. Oh, okay. Yes. I've been in OA 25 years. Um, I've lost probably around 40 pounds, and it just was sort of like that over the years. Thanks. I will have been in OA 26 years toward the end of this month, and I've lost thousands of pounds. <laughs> because what I did was I kept gaining it back. I lose it and gain it, lose it and gain it. Um, I'm down. Um, I I really never let myself get obese because of my yo-yoing, but uh, so I'm down probably 60, 70 pounds from my top weight. Okay, now we will have open sharing. Oh, she has another question. Oh, another. Um, as I said, meditation is so personal. Um, but how I do it, how I've done it, um, I do yoga. That's one thing that is a meditative process for me. I um, read uh, the program literature and other spiritual literature and find a verse or two that really resonate with me, and then I'll just stay with that for quite a long time. Um, sometimes I'll put on very soothing music. Uh, sometimes I'll just find a spot in nature and just, like I said, hold my heart. Um, also do walking meditation, you know, which is very slow walking. Um, drawing mandalas, walking the labyrinth, 
guided imagery, going to particular retreats where they teach different kinds of meditation, centering prayer, to name a few. I have to admit, I'm not really good at meditation. I'm much better at talking to God than I am at listening to Him. But uh, I at least recognize that now. After you know, I told you I was a slow learner, and I do struggle to try. And He gets through my thick head a lot of times because uh, I I try to leave some pauses in the midst of all my chattering and when I'm praying and and so forth. And um, I've been to some meditative workshops and the guided imagery and the centering prayers and all that. I've practiced a lot of different ways, but I'm really still not very, very good at it. I'm, I'm no expert on, on meditation. I, uh, I, but there, but God does speak to me and has changed me. And does get through to me somehow. Um, so I guess I just pause long. No, he's quick. I guess I, I, for me, I guess I don't have to pause awfully long. But I hardly ever spend time on my knees that I don't get some sort of guidance. And uh, so I, I don't know. But I, I really know I hurt. spit it out just right. I can relate. Um, I think anxiety has probably been one of the biggest barriers to me in my life. Um, I was uh, an incident, I was the victim of an incident um, of an attack um, early in my life and uh, I was asleep and someone broke in and uh, that you know, that talk about anxiety. And, uh, you know, so I could often wake up in the middle of the night in the years since where I would just be like very anxious. And how do you pray when you're anxious like that? Or even just not trying to be vigilant all the time, you know. So, but all these things that I've said uh, have helped me. Just plugging into them, continuing to plug in. And... Having a very emotional relationship to God has helped me. You know, say, God, I need you. I love you. Would you help me, please? Being very real, being very authentic, just being very much where I am at the time. Look at me. I've eaten this whole package of stuff. Would you help me? I'm hurting. That's the kind of prayer that has helped me. Because if I ever thought that I just needed to be this, like, perfect you know, meditator, 
like this because they say, watch out when you meditate. I mean, I've taught meditation. And we, we prepare people to leave the meditation, especially if it's a weekend or something, because you go back out into the world and you have opened up so much. So things come up when you meditate. And that's why I really do say that when we get into the work of the 11th step, it's a very emotional area of our lives. You might want a spiritual director. You might want, you know, there are a lot of books out there to read. But the emotional work that comes up for me uh, that has, it's, it's been so enhanced by having a spiritual life. So it's not just like having anxiety and dealing with it like with a pill. Because, you know, you really are getting at the roots of this. And sometimes a pill, people, helps people with a pill. You know, but I'm just saying it's like a, it's not like something that should, that is a barrier in your prayer. It's more like the reality of who we are. And if we're anxious, we're anxious, period. And we bring it. If we're depressed, we're depressed. If we're sad, we're sad. If we're happy, we're happy. If we're confused, we're confused. So we just come and we go, what you see is what you get. Come as you are, party. That's what I say is my higher power says. Come as you are, Linda. You do not need to fit any stereotype in this world. I love you. I love you. I love you. So. Okay. Now we will have open sharing. Uh, we have time for about three shares. Uh, if you've already shared at another workshop, please give others a chance before you come forward. Limit your share to three minutes. Stay on the topic and sign the tape release form after you share. Who would like to share? Good morning, I'm Camille, recovering compulsive overeater. Um, when I attended the, um, the LA birthday party in January, um, there was this little prayer that somebody shared, and it was called the Set Aside, the L.A. Set Aside Prayer. And I carry it with me in my wallet and on my dashboard every day. And the prayer is, um, Dear God, help me to set aside what I think about, fill in the blank, so that I may have an open mind and a new experience. And I swear to you, all I have to do is to pause, like it says in the big book, too, and when I face indecision, which is the way the big book, the big book has a prayer for us, a path for us to follow when we wake up in the morning. It says, you know, when you face indecision, to pause and ask God for the next right action. And so if I say that prayer, um, it just makes a shift inside of my being that puts me back into a very peaceful place. So um, I just want to share that with you as something just like a little tool you can carry around with you during the daytime. Hi, I'm Leonard, a compulsive overeater, recovering sugar addict. Um, wonderful. I really want to thank you both for your talk. I got a lot out of it. Um, you know, one thing about the serenity prayer, I guess I have an automatic. I've been in the program six, about 17 years. 
I'm down for about 40 pounds from my top weight. I, in, in 17 years I've been in the program, I have not changed my waist at all. Uh, that's not all my doing. A lot of it has to do with God and my other higher power, my wife. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I learned a long time ago I couldn't make my wife a food cop, and I worked hard in the program so that doesn't happen. Um, the, uh, for some reason, when I get scared or there's some issue, I automatically go into the serenity prayer. It just automatically starts going. It's a mantra that starts going. But the strange thing about it at times for me, it'll be God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the willingness to know the difference. And I don't know why I think that, but I think it's the willingness because I think a part of me, when I get in trouble, goes brain dead. I just forget that I've got a program, that I've got tools to use, that uh, I can stop and wait for inspiration and not take that compulsive bite at times. That, quote, I can eat like anybody else, I'm normal, you know, that kind of thing. I get that brain dead issue. And I think sometimes the, the, way, the reason I get confused in the serenity prayer is I have to remember that there's a willingness issue there, a willingness, and that willingness is not to go brain dead, but to stay conscious, to stay conscious in the program, to use the tools, to stay aware. And I think that's important. The other thing... I am a very, for me, at least for my definition, a very, very good meditator. And I maybe from years and years of going to groups, studying yoga, which I did. I, I'm an artist. I do a lot of painting. I do a lot of things that are meditative. But the meditation that seems to always have helped me and uh, is guided imagery meditation. And I just pass it on. And what I use is a tape. And that tape just takes me to a guided image it takes me to a forest. It takes me to a sacred pool. In that sacred pool, there is a very deep image in the water. In that image, of not only is it a reflection of me, but there is a view of God. And I have had, and it comes in different times, but I can honestly say, I have had moments in that meditation where I have literally felt like I have risen above the bed or above wherever I am. I don't know if that's ever happened to you in meditation. And that I have surrendered to God and he has taken me. Whether that moment is to live or to die or to be at total peace or whatever it is, I've surrendered. Now, it doesn't happen in every meditation, believe me. It's rare. But it happens in very strategic and difficult times. For example, this week, my wife went through surgery. It's a very difficult situation for me. And yet, in that med I had a meditation in that time when I was a male nurse and dealing with all her needs where I really lifted up and surrendered to God, and I felt that surrender in a very powerful way. And it energized me to even be a better caretaker and, and help my wife, who was bedridden for a number of days after surgery. And uh, that was really a powerful, powerful thing. And so meditation for me is extremely valuable and extremely important. I don't see how I could actually even function without it. Uh, if I go to workshops and I can't get sleep, I know that the meditation will give me the sleep that I need, the rest that I need. A half hour of deep meditation to me is like two or three hours of sleep. And so that's also been a very good help. Uh, so that's what I do. And, uh, and in terms of guided imagery, actually, I just went to the Bodhi tree a number of years ago and found the guided imagery tape that worked for me. And then I got worried, oh, my God, this tape is going to wear out. What am I going to do? Although I really could do it without the tape. But anyway, I found a CD version of it, and the CD never wears out. 
So, you know, the only thing I always have to do is have a couple of batteries around. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. Okay, do we have uh, one more person who would like to share? Hi, I'm Tony Compulsive Overeater. And I'm, I love this topic. And I will share with you that one of the things that I do in my meditation is that I have to calm my mind. And sometimes I have a lot of thoughts in my mind. So I've learned a couple of techniques that work for me. One of them is I visualize a wheel that uh, is coming to a stop in my mind. And my thoughts are on the spokes of the wheel. And as the wheel comes to a stop, the thoughts are flying off the wheel. And then I visualize the wheel being still and that I have no thoughts left on the wheel. And then I put one thought in, and usually I synchronize it with my breathing, and the thought is either all is well or God loves me. And at that point, I try to do a progressive relaxation in my body, starting with my feet where I tighten and release the muscles going all the way up. I also like the technique of visualizing a very peaceful place that I've been to. It might be at the beach or in a forest by a lake. I also use uh, the visualization tapes, and there are quite a number of good ones out there, but one of the ones I like is from um, healthjourneys.com. They have a lot of good uh, visualization meditation tapes that I use that are very effective for me. Another thing I like to do is when I'm in that, after I've done the, the progressive relaxation and I'm completely relaxed, I try to visualize a very safe place at my peaceful spot. And it can be something I create, like a cabin or um, a condo or a tent, but I decorate it just the way I want with the softest music, my favorite music, candles, usually windows so that I can see the nature outside and that just seems to be a really nice way for me to calm myself and to uh, do a meditation. Thank you. Okay. It is now time to close this workshop. Uh, please join me in a moment of silence, followed by the third step prayer.